Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams, and I am so pleased to report that Christine Kane is back with us for week two of our Acts series. Christine is obviously, if you listen to last week's episode, a delight to open God's Word with. She is a speaker. She is an author. She is many, many things. She and her husband, Nick, founded the global anti-human trafficking organization, A21. She's also the founder of Propel Women. Christine does many, many things, but one of the things she does is read and study and teach God's Word in such a beautiful and spirit-filled way, and we are thrilled to have her back for this week's reading. Let's get right to it. Chris Kane, welcome back. <laughs> I'm back. I'm so pumped She's up. back. Oh, listen, when you were here for Joshua, we thought, why didn't we just have her continue to just, just stay on? And we thought, next time. Have We're going to do around. a double, a Christine Kane doubleheader. So here we are. Which, uh, for those of you listening, if you don't know what we're talking about, last week, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, week one in the Acts series, honestly, my strong opinion is pause this and go back and listen <laughs> to that first because it is n- like a can't miss. Chris was with us for uh, episode one of this series as well, but this is the continuation of that. So we're picking up in week two of the six-week series of Acts. Yep. A lot has happened in a very short amount of time, and we're picking up right now um, in day eight, which is— um, In chapter five. That's right, chapter five. And just as a reminder, this is— this is a book written by Luke. It's kind of a sequel to his gospel. It's covering about a 30-year period, events that took place from the time of Jesus' ascension, mm-hmm. so around AD 33 to about 63 AD, so about 30 years. And this is the birth of the capital C Church. That's that right. is what is happening here. Um, and it's the church that the three of us are a part of. Like this is if you are a follower of Jesus, we are talking about You're members the, of the same church. That's right. The birth of the body of believers of which we are all a part. And um, the right. Holy Spirit that it was at work then is at work now, will continue to be at work. Is in this room now as we are recording and in Chris's room with her and where you are now listening. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you're saying we're all together. So the same Holy Spirit could be with a Greek Aussie chick and with two Southern chicks. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Here's what we're here for. Acts 1.8, I'm going to read it before we get started, yes, ma'am. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the key verse for the book of Acts, and that is what we are seeing playing out. It started in the book of Acts and continues today, as Chris so wonderfully taught us um, last week. But Christine, here we are. We're in chapter 5. And the apostles are proclaiming the gospel, and they're in some hot water because of it, right? Oh, yes. Well, welcome to the whole book of Acts, but yes. um, (laughs) Yes. uh, You know, some amazing things happen. It's interesting to me where uh, chapter five is really sobering. There's no doubt about it. Like, you know, these miracles are happening. Signs and wonders are happening. People are being added daily. People are being saved and obviously delivered and healed. And we're seeing amazing things happen. To me, it's really interesting that right there, chapter five, so four chapters in, so much excitement, so many miraculous signs. But it does show me 
uh, that God in the midst of all of this still cares about holiness and still cares about obedience. Like those things matter. It's not like you can get so caught up in the whirlwind of what the Lord's doing that you could throw out sanctification out of the window or holiness out the window or obedience out the window. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the swirl of things and forget that actually integrity, character, obedience, holiness really does matter. And so the very fact that you're reading all of this stuff happening in chapters one, two, three, four. I mean, it truly is breathtaking. I don't think we're overemphasizing it. I know we are not overemphasizing mm-hmm. it because it's so supernaturally miraculous. There's nothing we could possibly say that could actually in any way overstate it because it's it's not overstatable. It's supernatural. So, But it is sobering that right in the midst of that, God's doing all these amazing things. Um, we have that whole story of Ananias and Sapphira. And yeah. I can't, to this day, no matter how many times I read it, it is deeply challenging to me, you know, on so yes. many ways. The little things matter to God, like they actually really matter to God. Like, And I think even in the day in which we live, we can kind of get swept up in so many of the big things that we can let things slide or slip. It never means that we're not perfect. And it doesn't mean, and I think sometimes we freak out because we're like, I make mistakes. Of course, I don't think the emphasis is actually on the mistake. It was the lack of repentance or acknowledgement for that mistake. And I think that that is what the bigger issue is, that we can all get caught up in things and say things that are wrong and do things that are wrong. But the Lord is so gracious if we're quick to repent. And I think what happened with Ananias and Sapphira is that the Lord is showing us you know, it matters to me and for a move of God to continue, for a movement to continue to spread and for my word to continue to go forth, your conduct does matter. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that reckoning in the church anyway in real time right now in our own where um, sometimes we think it really doesn't matter and as long as the word's going out and as long as things are growing and, and I think Acts chapter 5 is a little bit of a it really does matter. I don't think yes. in any way the Lord expects us because we just spent the whole last week talking about Peter who was so forgiven and he lied. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, you go, okay, right. why didn't, because he did what Ananias and Sapphira did. At the end right. of the day, it was the same sin. It was lying. Yet they both yeah. lied. Why did one die and why did the other not die? Uh, apart from who understands the sovereignty of God. So I'm not even going to go there, but I'm just using it in very normal terms for us as we're reading this. If both Ananias and Sapphira had an opportunity to repent, God is so merciful and so gracious. So I think sometimes people read this and get freaked out because it could be really taught with a lot of hellfire and brimstone. And Mm -hmm. you're like, how can I reconcile that with a gracious God and a compassionate God? And I think seeing Peter so uh, highlighted in chapters one, two, three, and four, and realizing how merciful God is, and then seeing this dropped in right there at chapter Mm -hmm. five, Mm -hmm. I I think it's both a sobering reminder and an invitation to repent. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, and it's His grace and His mercy. So, somebody's listening to this today, and you want to avoid chapter five because Mm. you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want the lightning to come, and what sort of God is this? I want you to know that He is so merciful, and it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. And even as you're reading this and perhaps conviction is coming in your own heart, you don't have to freak out that, oh my gosh, am I going to die? Just come to the throne of grace. He's our very present help in our time of need. And you might want to do that as you're doing this Bible study right now. This is an invitation. So I wanted to 
just start with that as we kind of kicked off uh, this week that there's an invitation for all of us for repentance, renewal. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what that I think the the presence of the Holy Spirit here so evidently throughout, I mean, of course, he's in this whole Bible, but um, the the focus (laughs) on it, um, all scripture is inspired by God, just so we're all set. But the thing is, there's a very particular emphasis on a particular manifestation of the Holy Spirit in this book. And so... I want everyone to know that in the midst of that, it's not all just signs and wonders and external things. That's right. Part of our freedom is also the freedom to repent. And I think that's a great gift. The more we, the church, recognize that that is a gift from God, the less we'll freak out about these things and we'll just go... It's a sobering reminder, and maybe I need to do some business with God right yes. now. So that is yes. that's really what it does for me. When I get to Acts 5, that's what it does for me. Yes, and we read in chapter 3 of Acts a beautifully articulated message of invitation in Peter's sermon in chapter 3, verse 19, therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Like that seasons of refreshing, like the repentance is His kindness. It is a gift. And this comes from experience. That's right. Yeah, but then we do get to those signs and wonders. Uh, yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> in chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. Absolutely. So it's like the work of the Lord continues to go yes. forth in powerful ways. I really did laugh at verse 13. Someone needs to highlight it in the Bible because it says, <laughs> none of the rest dared join them, but the people who held them in high esteem. You know, you've got to understand <laughs> when God is moving, there are lots of people that are going to be like, whoa, I'm standing back and watching this. And, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, people do that. You could also stand back and watch this even more in our social media world because oh, you, you, you don't underestimate how many people are watching everything you're posting, everything you're doing, because they might not even be formally following you or engaging in the comments or whatever. I'm always astounded when I travel and see the amount of people that are like, um, oh, Christine, you know, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing and you're so courageous and it's obvious like, like I don't have the courage to say anything, but I'm really glad you're doing So all I'm saying is that, that this is a very common thing. And then verse 14, here, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. This is the big thing that we have to remember, and it's it's a constant principle in the book of Acts. What you will see is extreme persecution constantly, that God's doing awesome stuff. People are being bold for the sake of the gospel. A lot of people don't like it. Both religious people and non-religious people don't like it. But God keeps saving people. You've got to understand all revivals are messy, but a sign that the Lord is at work is that people are coming to faith. You know, some people are kind of like, oh, you know, we shouldn't really be encouraging people to come to Jesus. I can't work that out myself. Um, But that's what people sort of think. And I'm like, we need to be urgent about the fact that people need salvation, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He said of himself, no one comes to the Father but by me. And so if this is truly good news that we believe, we ought, like these apostles, to be declaring and decreeing this good news and inviting people to come into relationship with Jesus. And so 
Again, we go on here. It says, so they carried the sick into the streets, laid them on cots and mats. And as Peter came by, this one is always, at least his shadow might fall upon some of them. Mm. And people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick, those afflicted with unclean spirits and all that were healed. The thing that you cannot miss in the book of Acts is that there was constant miracles healing and people being delivered. You'll see lots of people being set free from demonic oppression. And this is a common thing throughout the book of Acts. And the fact is, it's a common thing throughout the world. I know some people listening to this may not have traveled very much, but I can tell you in many continents that I've traveled around the world, I have to this day continue to see these kinds of signs and wonders and miracles happening. And so, it is a part of the ongoing story of the church. And I think that's why there's such an emphasis on it here. I also love the fact that God does like really cool weird miracles too, like, <laughs> like. They, they, like all, they arrested the apostles, put them in the uh-huh. public prison, but during the night, and they, I mean, like, guys, this is like not normal. An angel it's of amazing. the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life, of course, being Jesus. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Listen, <laughs> you cannot tell me this is boring. And this is not a novel, as in like a That's made right. up. This it's is real. Yeah. And if I could tell you about some of our brothers and sisters in the Chinese church and some of our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world, they would tell you stories like this. This is also the inheritance of us Western Christians as well. Mm-hmm. It's just that mm-hmm. we need to stir up our faith and believe yeah. that God could do this because you can read books written by esteemed authors and, and fantastic theologians um, that would testify that these sorts of things are happening all over the world. I just finished my master's at Wheaton and had some fantastic professors, uh, extremely conservative, that are telling me these amazing stories of, especially when we did cross-cultural communication, of things they'd saw on the mission field. And And I'm saying, we need to believe for this in our own lives, because if God could do it over, you know, in the Chinese church, God could do it here with us and God, wherever that is. And so that's what I love about this, God will make a way where there is no way. I could testify in my own life that I remember when even before, I I mentioned last week that when I was in Qatar, just before the lockdown, the Lord gave me a a miracle opportunity. It never happened before in the history of Qatar. In Qatar, you can only teach the Bible. There's only church services in a place called the religious compound, which you've got to drive out of the city. You park in the desert. You have to walk. If you're a foreigner like me, I have to take my passport, go through three different checkpoints because only like the immigrant workers are allowed to go there. So anyone that is a citizen of Qatar, of course, it's a a Muslim nation um, and it is illegal anywhere outside of that religious compound to mention the name of Jesus, to have any kind of public gathering, to technically to even pray to Jesus. Like it's obviously right near Saudi Arabia. It, it is what it is. But through, I say, it's as miraculous as this prison door opening. The Lord orchestrated a certain amount of events that, you know, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to talk about uh, entirely, but I was able to speak outdoors in an amphitheater, 12,000 people, the largest outdoor venue in Qatar. It, wow. it hasn't spoken, it hasn't happened in, in modern history, I don't believe, not, not men or women. And I was able to give a seven-minute gospel presentation, and it was so, so powerful. 
It was as miraculous, and this was just before the shutdown, it was as miraculous as these prison doors opening. I could tell you stories like that when it comes to rescuing, not only proclaiming the gospel, to do with human trafficking of how miraculously some of the survivors that we have in our care, God miraculously made a way for them to escape from their trafficker, which is the equivalent of a key turning up where they could get out yes. of a door yes. um, that miraculously a police officer walked past. I could, I could literally, we could do an entire podcast where I would tell you stories that different law enforcement agencies around the world would say that are not in any way religious, let alone Christian, would say, we don't know how it is possible that they got out and they would use the language, it must be a miracle. Like they, they don't have any other words for it. It's like right. doctors, doctors, that, that that's what they say, whether they are religious or not. They go, we have no other explanation. There is no medical explanation. It has to be a miracle. Like, you know, and so what I'm saying is we're reading here and sometimes you read it and we sing songs about it. You know, when you're in kids' church, you sing songs about getting out of the prison and, and it, it's almost like a fantasy. But what I'm trying to say is, it is a reality. Like right. I stood. I mean, my husband and I kneeled at the side of the stage because I didn't know there was all of the um, anti-terrorist police from that region of the world. There was the religious police, and we we had already counted the cost and said, "I don't know if I'm going to be okay." So we just knelt by the side of the stage, really believed it was the Lord that I do this, and said, "Okay, do I really believe this? Because this could be. I could like really, literally, be giving my life." So do we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again from the dead? And it was like, yes, yes. So here we go. And so what I'm saying is I, I felt for a minute in all of my Christian life, those seven minutes, the closest that I ever felt to the book of Acts in reality. And I thought this might be a taste of what that felt like. And that was yeah. in 2019, you know, yeah. so it's like like right now. Yeah. So that's by way of encouragement to someone. You're going to feel like that in work, in your community, perhaps with your family, where you really need God to turn up because it might not be a prison cell, but you need that kind of, you need God to do something for you. And what I'm saying is He is well able. And so yes. that all goes on. And the whole goal, you've got to understand for this, is because the enemies, the people that wanted this to stop, they wanted the gospel to stop going forth. So the gospel is not only communicated through intellectual debate, but it's also communicated through the activity of God in your life and through your life. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what people see. And then people are like, wow. And then you see in verse 27, and when they brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you yeah. not to teach in this name. Yeah. Here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. So they, what you'll find in the book of Acts, they kept trying to stop this thing yep. and you couldn't stop it. That's why I'm saying to the people listening to this freaking out, oh my gosh, is this the end of Christianity? Is this the end of the church? No, no, keep no. reading the book of Acts because right. they kept trying to stop it. And Jesus said, right. oh, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. They're going to try to Amen. stop it, but they won't. So some of you that are feeling, so lost and grieving at the moment because you're thinking this is the end of the church. I really want to encourage your spirit. It's not. It can't be. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And reading the book of Acts should remind you that the powers, the authorities, the government, the religious institutions tried to shut this thing down, 
but you can't shut it down. So chill out is what I'm trying to say. Just keep living a life <laughs> empowered by the Holy Spirit because you cannot shut this thing down. That's and, right. This um, is your history. This isn't some it. history. This isn't an old story. This is your family history. Mm-hmm. Literally, which is so exciting. When they heard this, they were enraged. I want to kill them. I want to focus on this for a moment because I think it's very pertains to us in the 21st century. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up. Now, you got to understand, this guy was the head rabbi. He's the the big dude that everybody went to um, because he was so smart, so well-esteemed, knew all of the scriptures. So just so that you Mm. understand there is no one more important than him that people would listen to because of his knowledge of the scriptures. And he says, um, a teacher of the law held in honour by all the people. You see that, not just some of the people, all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to the men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Feudus rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished. And all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Mm. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. So I just want to speak that over someone because in our world of, of social media, what you're and our cancel culture, what you're finding is that people are like, oh, this is heretical, or that person's a heretic, or this is not right. I mean, everyone's calling everybody out. This is what I want to say to you, and especially to parents, because I've got two daughters too. You care. You care very deeply, and we ought to care extremely deeply about what is going on and what's being taught. And that's why it's so good that you're part of the She Reads Truth community, because we we know that it is sound, biblical. Um, The girls are under accountability. We know that this is tested. There's a lot out there where people are just like making stuff up and you you can freak out and get very anxious. But I do want to just speak this word of peace over you. It's really the words of Gamaliel. Listen, the things that, that are not of God, it's going to die. The things that are just of men, and there's a lot out there that is just of people. It is man-made, woman-made. It's just like they're making this stuff up. Don't stress. I know it's painful and I know it can do damage, but the thing that is of God and the Holy Spirit is driving it, it is the thing that's going to prevail. And we're in a very volatile and chaotic and divisive time right now. So it's easy to get confused. It's easy to get anxious. It's easy to get stressed. But what's of God is the thing that's going to last. That is the thing um, in order to do that. And so don't be too quick to also dismiss everything that you don't understand. And going through the book of Acts, some of you are going to be introduced to some concepts about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And, yes. and you're not going to understand it. And and maybe some people, and you've got some friends, and you think, wow, I thought maybe they were a bit cray-cray. Maybe they're not quite as cray-cray as I thought. Maybe I should just <laughs> open my mind a little bit and ask some questions and have some engagement. And some of us, if we've not really had too much access to understanding about the Holy Spirit, I know Francis 
Buddhist Chan wrote a book about the forgotten gods. Sometimes we just think, oh, yeah. I, I haven't had much teaching about this. I would just encourage you. There's some really good stuff like, like Francis has written that go, oh, okay, maybe I had dismissed certain people or certain sectors of the church more so because I didn't understand. And maybe I'll mm-hmm. take some of the words of Gamaliel and go, you know what, if this is of God, it's going to go forward. If it's not, it's just going to be quenched. So I think in this time of great confusion and division, that would just be a good word for some of us to be in the midst of all of that. That's right. That's That's good. That's so good. And in that same passage, this just gets me. In verse 41, then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, who had just told them to be quiet, right? Don't don't do this anymore. And had flogged them. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the capital N name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's, imagine counting yourself worthy. I mean, and again, that's a challenge to us. Yes, who, it is. Who sometimes pull back if someone just says one mean thing to us about, you know, the fact that we're Christians or that, you know, yeah. we're, and you go, oh, wow, these Jesus followers candidate were like they were flogged on top of everything they had done nothing wrong i mean that's what we're reading in the text they had done nothing wrong they had done nothing illegal they had done nothing immoral and yet they were flogged so so you need to know again this is part of our heritage it it, it doesn't feel good all the time and this is definitely the world that we're living in and girls it's not going anywhere this is the world that we're living in i just want you to know that we're empowered by the holy spirit to have this same joy, like, you know, where you walk away and somehow you go, Jesus, you counted me worthy for your namesake. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community, and they're offering our listeners a free trial premium membership because you are a human and you were born to create. Learn, express, and discover what you can make with online classes from Skillshare. There are so many fascinating classes on Skillshare on topics like graphic design, creative writing, even web design. There's one that sounds super fun to me called Storytelling 101. It talks about character, conflict, context, and craft. Whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you are creative. That's why Skillshare has classes for every skill level. With short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes designed for real life, you can tap into the creativity we all have inside. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. You'll create real projects and get the support of fellow creatives so you can accomplish real growth. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth, where our listeners get a one-month free trial of premium membership. That's one month free at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth. Friends, it may be autumn where you are, but it is officially Christmas here at SheReadsTruth HQ. You know that for the last nine years, we've been celebrating the Advent season with you. And we are so excited to celebrate our 10th Advent as a She Reads Truth community. This year's study is called The Everlasting Light. Y'all, from the creation to the incarnation to the coming eternal city, Scripture talks about Jesus as the light in a dark world. 
So during this Advent season, we're going to celebrate that the hopes and fears of all the years were answered in Jesus, the everlasting light. Now, I know this time of year can fill up so fast with planning and parties and shopping, but we want to help you prepare your heart for Christmas Day. So in addition to all the good daily Advent scripture readings, this year's Advent study book is going to include simple and thoughtful extras designed to help you carve out some quiet and engage this season as people of light. There will be daily reflection prompts, excellent recipes and crafts, Christmas hymns, and more. Y'all, this book is so special. We also have great things planned for you throughout the Advent season. Amanda and I will be chatting with some great friends through our five-week podcast series. Plus, we will be baking and crafting right alongside you guys on Instagram Live. So friends, whether this is your 10th Advent with the She Reads Truth community, or if it's your first, head on over to shopshereadstruth.com right now, get your Advent study book ordered and all the goodies that come with it. And let's get ready to prepare our hearts for an incredible Advent as a She Reads Truth community. All right. So, of course, the excitement continues. We get to chapter six, you know, right there in verse eight. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders <laughs> yes. and signs among the people. I want to stop at every verse. Why, why can't we I stop know. at every verse? This is my big thing. But, you know. <laughs> it's it, really it, unfair it, of us to invite you to, to one hour episodes. <laughs> it truly is because <laughs> not only was he full of. Now, I like the fact that two words are used together there, grace mm-hmm. and power. Yeah. And that is is what our world needs because yeah. some people are sort of all grace and others are all power. And I'm like, no, 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 we need both things together. <laughs> and then pick it up, look at verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Mm. I would say in our world, there is so much animosity and chaos and division and pain out there. Can you imagine what a witness to Christ it would be if we are speaking with wisdom and the Spirit? There is no way we can do this in our own strength. I think this is going to be a repetitive theme that we're going to see without that, that we are utterly dependent upon Him. Now, look Mm -hmm. at how much people were scared of this. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard Him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon Him and seized Him and brought Him before the council. So we see this consistent They secretly planted people. They lied about him. They falsely accused him. I mean, we're seeing so much of this played out in our culture today. I'm like, here it is again. Okay, this thing is continuing. And it goes on. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. So they set up false witnesses. This could be written in this century. It's like there is so much false accusation, so much. And you can see that the enemy is so frightened of the Word of God going forth and the power of God being expressed through the Holy Spirit that they will set up people to lie and to falsely accuse. Mm. I mean, does this not sound like what is going on in our culture? Uh, It's got to make... Women, it's going to make us excited as we read this because it's like we're living real-time Book of Acts kind of Christianity right now. And then Stephen, all this is happening. 
I do love that last verse right there, verse 15. And gazing yeah. at yes. him, all who sat in the council saw his face was like the face of an angel. I mean, there's all this false accusation happening. There's He's being falsely charged. He's now on trial and he's got the face of an angel. I mean, girls, if you're not going to pause and think about that, while we're doing this Bible study, I really... This, this is, is not while he was on vacation in Jamaica. No, like, no. to be clear, this was in the midst of false accusations. Literally. You said last week, Christine, that we need to sometimes remind our faces what <laughs> <laughs> about that, the joy of the Lord. But, like, his face was like that of an angel. Literally. Could you imagine? Again, you can't manufacture that. This keeps coming back to our central verse, the yes. power to be witnesses. So in here, Stephen is about to be killed, but here he is with the face of an angel. This is the supernatural strength that God gives us. You know, in, in many ways, many of our brothers and sisters in nations like Afghanistan and many other nations around the world, this is their reality every single day as we're doing this Bible study in the book of Acts now. Maybe it would make us feel that this is more real when we realize in so many regions of the world, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians, being millions being persecuted and tens of thousands right. that are being killed for their faith every day. And people that I know that have known people that have been martyred would testify just like this, that I can't explain it. You should have seen their face. I can't explain. Mm. Girls, that's only the power of the Holy Spirit. There yeah. is no natural way that could happen. Right. And then it goes on. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. And he goes on with this phenomenal, I mean, we're going to take all our time if I read all of this. <laughs> it's incredible Again, though. Please go read it, girls. Okay, yeah. let's go. Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham. Here we go. We're going right back to come to right now. Our father Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. I love that. So God says, go. I'm not telling you where you're going. I'll show you when you get there. And then he went out. And that's our whole Christian life, everyone, is that we, we want a 10-step plan from God. And it's like, here we go. And then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans, lived in Haran, and after his father died, God removed him from there into this land which you are now living. Yet he gave to him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them for 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God. And after that, they shall come out and worship with me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. We go right on. I'm going to keep yes. going. I and, want, and, here, here's what I want. Yeah. I want everyone who reads this on day 10, y'all listening, when you read this on day 10, read it, stand up, read it out Amen. loud. <laughs> like preach this like it's a sermon that you're preaching because it is the most beautiful history of the people of Israel Amen. and then where he takes his audience from this history of their people into verse 51. Is it 51? Yeah. I mean, he goes from Genesis to Chronicles. Like he just tells the story. He, Chris, pick us up in 51. And he uses some bold yes, language right here. Literally, you stiff-necked people. That's not subtle. That no. is not subtle. Okay. Uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to that heart mm. and ears. Remember, he's saying yeah. uh, when the Holy Spirit fell, they heard something they'd never heard. It's like you cannot 
have the capacity to hear these stiff-necked people were resisting the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Don't run over that. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. My gosh. I mean, so giving that history and going yep. again after time after time after time, this is what happened with God's people. When did we not persecute our prophets? And so why would things be different now, you stiff-necked people? It's a very, I mean, their toes are sore, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say oh, the least. To say the least. But look what happens. Well, we could tell their toes are sore because verse because 54. Because of what now, happens next, that's right. Now, yeah. when they heard these things, they were enraged and ground their teeth at him. I mean, just get the visual. What wow. does that, that, when you stir up that religious spirit, oh boy, that's this yeah. is what happens. But he, full of the, this is the difference of Holy Spirit-filled people and not, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus <laughs> standing at the right hand of God. Girls, I need you to pause. We all know what is Jesus doing right now. We know that Jesus is seated yeah. at, at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. I need you to see in Scripture, one of the only places, the only place that Jesus stands. This is, I want this kind of faith, the kind of faith that makes Jesus stand up. There is a (laughs) faith that is available to us. Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. When Stephen looked up, Jesus was not seated at the right hand of the Father. He was standing. Man, I want this kind of faith. What is the faith that makes Jesus stand up? And this is it. This is the faith that makes him stand up. He's standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. For all the Bible nerds out there, Jesus is seated. Jesus is seated. Jesus, but in this, the work text, is finished. He sits down. Is, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. But this gets him up on his feet. There's huh. a faith. There is a faith that gets Jesus up on his feet. This one just blows me away. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him hmm. out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses, right to the last minute, Stephen's given them an opportunity to repent. He's not talking about how he's feeling. He's talking Mm -hmm. about what he's seeing. Remember, you're always going to talk about what you see and hear. He's seeing Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, but the Bible says they stop their ears. Like they're just like, I'm not listening to what you are saying. And he goes on. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Remember, this is Saul. Get ready with what's about to happen to this. So right now they're laying down the garments at his feet. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Listen, you couldn't even do that in your natural strength. Only God could enable you to do that. And um, I don't want to minimize that because there are people that are doing this every single day around the earth for the sake of Christ Mm -hmm. today. And listen to this. Only the Holy Spirit could make you do this. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I listened to this passage um, in the car again this morning, just looking forward to our chat. And this whole section, I just kept closing my eyes, which is dangerous while you're driving. Don't I don't recommend it. But I just just the picturing of all of these things, like you said, Christine, like put yourself there, like yeah. be there in that moment and think about everything that is happening, and even the the words that Stephen is saying. It there's. I, I can't imagine reading this and not just sitting back. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's the do not hold this in against him. I mean, that's his 
Father, forgive them. Absolutely. Absolutely. For they know not what they do. And so that's, that is not Stephen in his own power. That's Jesus in Stephen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Because you couldn't do that. And I can't help but like look back on Stephen's sermon. He lists Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, David, Solomon. He gives this whole sermon and like gives names Mm -hmm. of all of these people. And then while it's not in the sermon, it's in the story where we also see Saul's name. Uh Um, And he's there in a way that is uh, offensive. But every person who's in this story is kind of there in a way from one point or another. Well, look at the very first uh, sentence, and Saul approved of his execution. I mean, you know, again, we come back to the beautiful redemption of God because this is not sanitized. I mean, it's written in eternal Scripture. Like One of the people that was most influential, wrote so much of the New Testament, God used so powerfully in terms of the missionary journeys. Uh, You will see this all throughout the book of Acts. Paul's missionary journeys expanded the gospel all the way through, but also is written the line, and Saul approved of his execution. Like It's it's like (sighs) just for everyone to remember that God will and can even use people that so persecuted the church. And it goes, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. I mean, of course. Uh, Mm. So you've got also, this is welcome to the church life. Everything is always chaotic. People are getting saved. The church is being persecuted. People are being buried and and being martyred. And listen, I don't know how it all works, but when you're all thinking, man, why is there just so much going on? Well, it's always been like that since the birth of the church. There's the good, bad, mm-hmm. and ugly all at once. All It's all kind of happening, and we're living in it, in the midst of it. Our job is to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to keep seeing what God is doing. Because right now, you could get really discouraged, but if you open your eyes and open your ears and, and move with the Holy Spirit, you'll be surprised at how much God is really doing. So, it goes right through all of this. Man, I can't get past that Saul approved of this execution, because there are people listening to this And, you know, the last few years you might have gone down a road where you're going, wow, I approved of some things that were really anti-church or anti-Jesus or anti-God. I want you to know it's not too late for you, that God can still use you. And I pray that it gives us mercy towards a lot of our sisters that maybe have gone on a long journey and it's just time to help them come home and to encourage them um, that God still has a plan, that God still has a purpose. And the gospel is still going forth because, of course, then Philip, is proclaiming the gospel in Samaria. There's so much. I mean, it just doesn't stop because now we're getting into yeah. the magicians and the sorcerers. Here's and-, a, and here's the thing about all of this. I think that I sometimes think about the book of Acts or I think about the early church and I think about Acts chapter 2. And I think about that everyone was filled with awe and everyone devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread. And I think about, wow, the season of the early church was just idyllic. Beautiful. I mean, just like the, and even like we've been reading and talking about like that they committed themselves to fellowship and breaking bread and prayer and the apostles teaching. And people were being killed. Yes. And I, I think sometimes we want to think of the early church as one of those things, or we sometimes just want to think of the early church as the other. This like this very terrifying time. Yes. And I think it would be a mistake to think of them as as either separately. Because the fellowship and the 
devotion to the apostles' teaching and the prayer, they are being stirred up, and then they are being persecuted. You're not going to persecute somebody who doesn't threaten you, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so they're both happening at the same time. There is fellowship, there is goodness, and there is persecution. And they kind of go hand in hand. Like that is yeah. the actual narrative of the early church. Absolutely. It's, and I think we love to sanitize it, but you can't. And this is why this six weeks is so crucial because it'll help us make sense of what we're going through now. I think oftentimes we go, we want to go back. And I'm going, we don't need to go back because we're actually in it. We're continuing in <laughs> it. That's what you all need to realize. It wasn't, they broke bread, fellowship together. It was all awesome. But then persecution came and they were scattered. Persecution came and they went to prison. Persecution came and others were stoned because the goal was that the message kept going forward. This is what we've got yes. to see. What, what is happening in Acts, it's not about the comfort of people or the ease of people. It's about the gospel going to the uttermost parts of the earth. And in this day and age where we're living right now in the 21st century, what we've got to get back to is not this uh, utopic vision of church, of how we do the practice of church, but the mission of the church, which is to proclaim the gospel, you know, across to the uttermost parts of the earth, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Holy Spirit, which of course is happening here. We see even in you know verse four, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. I mean, what I'm trying to say yeah. is that, <laughs> that, I mean, miracles are happening. People are being converted. Yes. People are being baptized. While there is great persecution, Paul is in the meantime busy killing Christians and trying to stop the, you know, called the way, trying to stop the advancement of the gospel. People are always, like throughout chapter 8, people are offering money for basically to try to replicate signs and wonders and miracles. You need to know there's always going to be charlatans. There are always going to be people trying to profit off the church. There are always going to be people that are, are doing false things in the name of Jesus. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is here. Read chapter 8. It's exactly how it existed. They were trying to replicate the miracles. They were trying to make money off the miracles. They were trying to set up false gods. Everything we are seeing in our current culture, this is exactly what was happening. And somewhere in it all, it's through discernment and the power of the Holy Spirit that we will be able to, this is why we need the Holy Spirit, because otherwise we're just going to believe everything that we read and everything that everyone says. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to really discern what's true, what's not, what we can do, what we can't. So I, ju I just, I could focus on this so much because it is so important. We go, of course, you can't skip over Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch uh, yes, because yeah. again, I want to remind everyone, there's a whole lot of people out there that are trying to understand the scriptures. And That's this right. is why I love what we're doing here. And this gives every girl the opportunity to say, let me explain to you what you're reading. Let me explain yes. to you what you don't understand. This is why I love She Reads Truth because I'm like, y'all, this mm -hmm. is our moment. We were born for this moment because out there, 
if you could stay focused on people that don't know Jesus, there's so many of them. They're trying to make sense of what's going on. And he's sitting there, you know, I don't know where to pick up from because I want to pick up from everywhere. But verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Unless someone guides me. Girls. That's how I feel. This is it. <laughs> this is She Reads Truth. This is like, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And we go on. And the eunuch said to Philip in verse 34, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news. I hope you all noticed whether it was Peter, whether it was Stephen, whether it is Philip, they're beginning with this scripture. That's where we begin about explaining all of this. Beginning with this scripture, he goes on and says, and as um, and told him the good news about who? About this Jesus, about Jesus. That's what this <laughs> whole deal is about. And as they yep. were going along the road, what's the next thing that happens? They came to some water. The eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot Nothing. to stop. They both went down into question. the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. They came out of the water, Spirit of the Lord carried I, – I pray for this, everyone. A little secret, I'm telling you all. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch <laughs> saw him no more. And you know what? He didn't freak out. He just went on his way rejoicing because he had the Holy Spirit. He had God. He had Jesus. He's just like, I'm going on my way. I don't know what happened to Philip. See ya. Check out. Peace out. I've got God. Not about I'm Philip. Right. That's exactly right. So I love that part. And then – of course, we get to such a significant chapter nine. The, and I remember yes. this same beginning of chapter eight, and Saul approved of this execution. Yeah. Yeah. And it says he was ravaging the church. Ravaging. The word ravaging is just. Well, so chapter nine, vivid. but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the yes. threats and murder against Whew. the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly, suddenly, <laughs> there it is again, a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. Jesus turns out, I mean, this is possibly the most radical conversion in the New Testament that is so supernatural. All conversions are, but this one, uh, everything Mm -hmm. about it, this same man that was murdering Christians, that had a decree to stop Christianity, to stop the furtherance of the way, Jesus himself turns up to this Paul and says, or Saul, and says, you know what? This man is then responsible. You wait till we keep unpacking the rest of Acts because when Uh you see what (laughs) this man does for the sake of advancing the gospel, it is absolutely stunning to me. And to me, all this beginning of Acts has got to give every single one of us hope that God does and will use anyone because it's actually not about the person. It's about, number one, this Jesus that we're talking about. It's about the gospel. And it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that actually enables it to happen. It's not anything about us. It's everything about God, everything about God. That's right. Yes. And He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just send us out and say, good luck. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He is aligning himself with his church Mm -hmm. and saying, 
I see, I see what you're doing to my people. That is you doing this to yes, me. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he is with us. And just that image is the same Jesus, this Jesus who stands up. I love that. I don't know that I've ever noticed that, Christine. It stands up as, when, as Stephen, as Stephen is, is being persecuted and about to give his life. Like, this is a Savior who is intimately with His people. That's yes, right. He's with Him. Now you've got my brain going back to Jesus standing up because we could just riff on that for the next three hours. <laughs> but, but yes, but not only in the book of Acts, we are the continuation of the Acts. The Holy Spirit is still acting. Yes. This is what I'm trying yes, to, I, I guess my point, yes. and we will unpack this, and you know, we've got 28 chapters to unpack, but the fact is <laughs> that He is still acting today through every woman that is listening to us right now in their sphere of influence in that region of the world, the Holy Spirit continues to want to work through us to exalt the name of Jesus, to see people saved, delivered, set free. I, I just want everyone to realize. I, I kind of say that the Holy Spirit is almost like the Gatorade to our Christianity. You know, sometimes you're like feeling exhausted and tired and we just need some Gatorade. We just need some electrolytes. We just need some energy. <laughs> we can ask Him to do what only He could do and what we can't do. And I think we would begin to see such a refreshing. You know what you read earlier, that that scripture about times of refreshing, I think from Acts chapter 4, will come from the Lord. To me, that is the greatest scripture on revival in the Bible because that Mm. is the whole purpose of this. And when that refreshing comes, the Lord refreshes us and everyone around us. And so much of what we're trying to achieve in the natural, we cannot do that. Those times of refreshing, it's such a part of renewal and revival. And I think that is one of the greatest gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. It continues, it's living water. It's just that living water that continues to refresh us, which enables us to get up in the midst of this very, very dark world and to continue to be salt and light and bring hope and life and liberty to people. And I just want to say to everyone, there's a reason why the church started with the book of Acts, because we (laughs) need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going, I'm sending you someone. You need someone greater. You're going to do greater works, not because you're awesome, but because God's awesome and the Holy Spirit is awesome and strengthens us. And so I just want to encourage us all, no matter where we're at, to maybe even take a moment as we're going through and doing our Bible study to just ask the Holy Spirit to keep filling us afresh personally and believe for those times of refreshing, as the Scripture says, to work in our own hearts and lives. And I think that would help to just revitalize our own faith. Yeah, yeah. And we see that refreshing. I mean, this ultimate refreshing that happens when the scales fall <laughs> from Saul's eyes and he he sees... Jesus for who he is, right? Amen. Like he, he, he sees the gospel, that sight that we've been talking about, and he begins to proclaim Jesus, saying, He is the Son of God. Amen. And see, that's the same Jesus. The same Jesus. And that's actually, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And we've seen this yeah. in these first nine chapters. Anytime they were filled with the Spirit or empowered by the Spirit, what was the next thing that happened? Let's talk about Jesus. Because that's what happens yeah. is like, it's, you know, um, sometimes I think people fear, oh, no, is this going to take the attention off Jesus? I go, no, the whole point is that it proclaims <laughs> Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit points us always to Jesus. And we see this in the book of Acts continuously. Yep. Yes. 
I and I just keep going back to chapter one, verse eight, our key yes. verse of the book of Acts. And we've seen that. We saw that happening in week one. We've seen that happening this week in week two. So we saw the Ethiopian official be converted, and he got to go back to Ethiopia with the good news of the gospel. And we see in chapter nine, verse 15, about Paul, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. This conversion of Paul, this taking the chief persecutor, the ravager of the church, of Jesus, and saying, this man is my chosen instrument to take my great name yeah. to the ends of the earth. Don't you dare try to disqualify yourself yeah. because <laughs> because I... I am the one who qualifies. Amen. And you know, that's the bottom line. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. We've all heard it so many times. I don't know where that quote's from, but that if you believe that in your heart, then God will use you for His glory wherever you are. Every single day. Yes, wherever you are. Rachel and I are proof. We have no business doing that. I am less qualified for my job every day. (laughs) I love that. And yet He qualifies me. And that's all that matters. And and that's what I say. People look at us and go, you know what? She must have been with Jesus because I perceive, like in Acts 4, they're uneducated, untrained people. I've stopped apologizing for it. And I just give the glory to God. I go, you know what? If God can use me, He can use anybody. That's right. I am going to read this last verse of our reading this week, just as a benediction and a prayer over the church, the capital C church, down through time across the globe. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. That's what we're going to see. Spoiler alert, this is going to keep going. We're going Come to keep on. reading. Yes, amen. That's what a and listen. Yep. Christine Kane, we adore <sighs> no, you. I love you. We, I am part of our community. We, I cannot thank you enough. Now, thank the Lord that all the recordings happened, but had they not, this time was well spent. Amen. I have been ministered to and encouraged, and I'm ready to share that ministry and encouragement with others. So thank yeah. you. Well, friends, I want to encourage you that while this is the end of our time with Chris, this is not the end of our Acts series. You know that I want you to be a woman in the Word of God every day this week. There's so much good to be read between you and this Holy Spirit that we've been talking about. And then come back next week because... John Mark Comer is going to be with us. We can't believe it. We're so excited to get to sit down with John Mark and talk about this third week of Acts. But until next week, what do we tell our friends, Chris? Keep opening your Bibles.